Praise God. Praise God. Um, so that last song we sang, I really, really, really love that song. And uh, if you know me, uh, you'll probably say I say that about every worship song, but <laughs> that's not the point here. <laughs> it says, I need you more. I need you more than yesterday more than words can say, more than anything. And um, you'll have to forgive me. I don't have my Bible on me. I came from work, so I'm just going to read from this uh, utensil that's actually useful for once. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to read from Psalms 46, and you don't have to open up to it. I'm just going to read the whole psalm. It says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to, end, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. A lot of times in our lives, a lot of times, we, we tend to, something happens, we're busy, especially in my life, I know this, a lot of times I'll get really, really busy. I'll be so focused on what I have to do, what I need to get done, how busy I am even. I'm like, man, I'm just so busy. You know, that's all I'm focused on. And sometimes instead of being, going, God, help me, instead of stopping and praying, instead of getting on my knees or even like when I'm working or something, praying in my mind, a lot of times I just, I'll just go right to, man, I'm so busy. Man, this sucks. Man, like, this is kind of miserable, you know? When, and this psalm tells us, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. It says, the Lord is with me. Though the mountains shake, though the earth moves, God is our refuge. And we need to put our trust in him. And with that, let's go into prayer. Okay, well, thank you uh, for the opportunity to speak. I'm um, visiting here. My name is Jesse. I'm a uh, missionary to the United States with my family, um, traveling the country. I preach on the streets and on the universities and out in the open air. Um, I've, uh, well, I, I started uh, street preaching back in 2002 and uh, started going full-time back in 2005. And so America, believe it or not, is a mission field. Uh, in fact, it's a mission field that desperately needs missionaries. 
Uh, America is uh, lost and in darkness and heading the wrong direction and blind and miserable and naked and uh, in desperate need of, of the gospel. And it's our obligation and it's our duty to share that gospel uh, with, with this country. And so um, the Lord saved me 19 years ago um, in the year 2000. And the Bible talks about, you know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is past and the new has come. And uh, my testimony is that I was uh, on drugs and uh, alcohol, getting high every day, getting drunk every day, going in and out of jail, uh, arrested for felonies, uh, got my neck slit in a knife fight, uh, lots of uh, just uh, horrible things. And I was facing five to ten years in prison. Uh, I heard a preacher when I was locked up who basically just came into our prison and told us that we were going to hell. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I was in trouble with God. I didn't know that because of my sin, I was in trouble with God. That I was bad enough to go to hell. And he, the Holy Spirit just took the blinders off my eyes, and I saw myself for what I really was, and I saw who I had become, and I knew I was lost. And I didn't know what to do about it. And the Holy Spirit left me in the oven of conviction for a few months. I got out of jail and I went to hang out with my friends. And I tried to get as high as I could and tried to get as drunk as I could just to, to sin like I used to. And I couldn't because I knew in my conscience I was in trouble with God. I knew I was living wrong. I knew I was in sin. And no matter how high I got, no matter how drunk I got, I couldn't shake it. I remember looking in the mirror after getting as high and drunk as I could, and the only thing I could think of looking at myself in the mirror was, I'm a lost soul, and I'm going to hell. So it was, uh, well, make a, a long story sh short, um, through a series of uh, events, I got my hands on the Bible, and uh, I started to read uh, the Word of God for the first time in my life. And it changed my heart, and it changed my mind. And I knelt down in my room. This was in a rehab. And I cried out to God for him to change me and to transform me. And I became a new man that day. The sin that I used to love, I began to hate. And all the righteousness that I used to hate, I began to love. And that's how you know you're truly born again. It's not a change of... Uh, appearance. It's not a change of your body. It's a change of your heart. And my heart was new and everyone around me knew it. So I wanted to share Christ with everyone around me. He did such a wonderful work in my life. I just, I wanted to share him with everyone that I could. So like I said, I'm a full-time uh, street preacher traveling the country. Um, I started by passing out gospel tracts in my high school. I used to be the drug dealer in my school. And so everyone would come to me for drugs, and I would distribute drugs to all these guys. Now I'm distributing the gospel to all these people. Uh, and they're coming out of their class and coming to their locker, and everyone's got a gospel track in their locker now. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, God can redeem you. I remember I, I, when I, before I became a Christian, my dream was to, you know, buy like a, a, a hippie van or something, and just drive to California and be a beach bum, just party at the beach all the time, sleep in my van. 
And uh, when I got saved, the Lord redeemed that dream, and I did buy a van, and I did put a mattress in it, but I traveled the country to preach the gospel. And me and two buddies, we were 20 years old, bachelors, no wives, no kids, and uh, me and two friends just traveled the country, and we preached everywhere that we could, in front of the bars, in front of the clubs, on the universities, on the street corners, at the festivals, at the events, just sharing Jesus everywhere that we went. And uh, we saw souls saved and lives changed and transformed. It was, it was wonderful. And so uh, my exhortation to you today is that America is in trouble. That America has been turning away from God, uh, well, very definitely, at least since the 1960s with the cultural revolution of the hippies and the all of these cultural revolutions of uh, the sex revolution and the feminist uh, movement, and now uh, we have homosexuality and transgenderism and abortion, all of this is a revolt against God. It's a revolt against Christian culture. It's a revolt against Christian values. And it's ultimately an attack on the family unit. If you think of the God instituted the family, and the family is the backbone of society. And if you want to destroy society, all you have to do is destroy the family. And so fornication, premarital sex now leads to uh, fatherless homes. And then women are having abortions. And people are becoming homosexual. And all of this is an attack on that family unit that God created. Now I just read in the news that our society, uh, our culture, we're dying faster than we're reproducing. Dying faster than we're multiplying. Now, we're supposed to keep the commandments of God. And the command of God is to be fruitful and multiply. That's a good commandment. It's one of my favorite commandments. I have four children at home. And uh, that's a good thing. But in our society, even people who could have children are choosing not to have children. Because they just want to live, uh, even if they're married, they just want to live without children, live for themselves, live selfish. And it's destroying our culture. And the only hope for America is the gospel. The only hope for our country is Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that the, the church is the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, that we, as believers, are the light of the world. So if the world is in darkness, whose fault is that? It's our fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. If the world is in darkness, that's our fault. We are responsible for our community. We are responsible for our country. And so we can't, as the church, just hide in our buildings while the world around us perishes. We can't just hide in our fellowships while the world around us is going to hell. We need to be a light. And the Bible says a light should not be hid. We need to shine bright, to be a witness to everyone that's around us. So you are called to be a missionary. You know, I know this is a Russian-Ukrainian church, so you or maybe your parents or maybe your grandparents immigrated from Russia, immigrated from the Ukraine, well, I want you to have the understanding that God has brought you to this country to be a missionary. That you didn't just come here to enjoy 
the United States and to enjoy America, you've come here to help change this nation because we need you. We need Christians. We need Christian families. We need witnesses and preachers to testify and to shine the light. So God has brought you here for a reason, and America needs you badly. And you're called to be a missionary. One preacher used to say, um, every, Christ, or every person, every individual is either a missionary or a mission field. So which one are you? A missionary or a mission field? You either need to be witness to or you need to be a witness. You either have a testimony or you need to get a testimony. And if you have a testimony, you've no right to keep it to yourself. If you have a testimony, you're under an obligation and a duty to share it, to be a witness with everyone around you. Your schoolmates, your co-workers, your family and friends, your neighborhood, your town. An obligation to share the gospel. And so the Bible says in Ezekiel 22:15 that God sought for a man who would make up the hedge and would stand in the gap that he would not destroy the people but he found none. He found none. God sought for a man. If God searches for a man in this church to be a witness to stand in the gap and the make up the hedge, will he find even one? Will he find someone to intercede on behalf of the people, to stand in between God and the people, to stay his judgment? It says, if he had found a man, he wouldn't have destroyed the land. In other words, the future wasn't fixed and set. There was alternatives, possibilities. If he found a man, he wouldn't destroy them. But since he found no man, he had to destroy them. So the future of America is in our hands. We can make up the hedge and stand in the gap and delay the judgment of God upon this country and this world. Or it will come faster and sooner because of our negligence to be the light like we're supposed to be. So it says God sought for a man. God uses men. He uses people. He uses you and me. God sought for a man. We sang today, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Have you ever thought that the Lord needs you? As much as you sing that you need him, is he sitting in heaven thinking, I need you? I think sometimes as a church, we pray and we see all that's happening in this country and we, we pray, God, do something. God, move. And God's looking from heaven thinking, you do something. You move. I like the, the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. And the Salvation Army was more than just a thrift store. The Salvation Army was a Salvation Army. They were a street preacher movement. They would go to the, par, the, the bars and the, and, and the nightlife and the street life and the prostitutes. And they would go and witness and preach the gospel to them in the streets of England. They offered soup, soap, and salvation. William Booth said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. He said, I am a move of God. I am a move of God. 
So as much as we sing, God, we need you, Lord, we need you, I'm here to tell you today that the Lord needs you today to be a witness, to be a laborer in the harvest field. So the Bible says, um, how can they hear without a preacher? And so the gospel must be proclaimed. And that's more, being a witness is more than just letting them see the twinkle in your eye and they wonder, what's different about you? And seeing a smile on your face. Being a witness is to be a public proclaimer. To, that they might hear the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. You know, I didn't know that God was calling all men everywhere to repent until somebody came and told me. I didn't know. And the world out there, as much as we think they know the gospel, they don't. Even here in America. I mean, to them, uh, you know, Christmas is about Santa Claus. Easter is about a bunny. I ask young teenagers, do you, do you know the Ten Commandments? They said, no, what are those? They don't even know the law of God. They don't even know the commandments of God. Never even heard of them in this country. We send missionaries overseas because we think there's unreached people overseas. But there's unreached people in our own country. Maybe you've gone on some summer mission trips and you've been a witness overseas. Well, you know, being a Christian is not a part-time job. Being, being, a, being a Christian is, is not a, a summer, you know, mission trip. You need to be a missionary and a witness here. There's unreached people here. This next generation that's growing up, they're not, they're not raised in church. They're not raised in, by godly parents. They're not going to hear it in the public school. Where are they going to hear it from? It's got to be from you and from me. So how can they hear without a preacher? You know, the Bible even says that we are, we are co-laborers with God. What an honor. Think of all the work you could do in the world. And you could be a co-laborer with God? Who wants to neglect that job? You get excited, oh, I just got a new job, I'm working here, I'm working there, or I want to have a career in this, I want to have a career in that. You get excited about these worldly things. But we get to be co-laborers with God. We get to do the work that God is working on. We get to be in His business. We get to be employed by Him. And that's the greatest job you could ever ask for. That's the best career you could ever ask for. And I'm not talking about being a full-time preacher, being in ministry. I'm talking about, as a Christian, being a laborer with God. And so God needs you. God wants you. God's calling you to labor with him in his work, in his field. So we are responsible for our community. You know, what does your heart burn for? What excites you? What, what, what brings you joy? Oh, some, you know, hanging out with your friends or your family, your, your, your job, your, your entertainment. What, what is it that excites you? You know, what, you know what heaven gets excited over? Just one sinner that repents. Just one soul that comes to the Lord. What are you living for today? You know, what I'm living for is just one more soul. 
just one more. I've led countless souls to the Lord. I can't, I, I've, lost, I've lost count. Drug addicts, drug dealers, homosexuals, atheists, Muslims. I've, I've seen them come to the Lord. But you know, when it comes to winning souls, enough is never enough. You have people who live for money. And you know, when, when, when they're living for money, enough is never enough. Even when, when they make it to the millionaires and they're millionaires, that's not enough. They want to be the billionaires. And then that's not enough. When, when, does a, when does a millionaire stop making money? Never. When does a billionaire stop making money? Never. Why? Because that's what they love. Well, for me, what do I love? I love the Lord and what blesses his heart, souls. What makes all of heaven rejoice? Just one sinner that repents. So when it comes to souls, enough is never enough. One summer mission trip, that's not enough. One little outreach, that's not enough. Go for souls. Go for them all. With all your heart and all your strength and all your mind and all your life. Until the last breath of your lungs is, is finished. Go for souls. So what does your heart burn for? The Bible says the, the, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. I go out, I preach on the streets. I'll be out for five minutes and someone comes up. Well, how many did you lead to the Lord today? Well, I'm just getting started. So how many did you lead to the Lord today? The, the, I can tell you the harvest is plentiful. Soul after soul after soul. Every month I see them come to the Lord. And all I hear from the churches and all I hear from the Christians is that's not going to work. That's not effective. Why are you on the streets? Why are you on the street corners? Why are you holding that sign? You know, I always go out there with some Jesus signs. Oh, and, oh that's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're not seeing what I'm seeing every month. They're coming to the Lord. The harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. You know, does, the, does your community know that you're a Christian? Do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Are you being a laborer in the harvest field? So the Bible said, Jesus said, he that does not gather with me scatters abroad. So you're either gathering or scattering. You're one of the two. Which one are you today? Are you gathering souls into his kingdom? Or are you scattering them abroad? So God searches for a man. But you know, I believe he wants more than a man. He can use just one man to shake a nation. But I believe God is looking for an army. God is looking for a generation who will stand up in righteousness and in truth. And in shine, shine bright in this nation for him. And he wants you to be that generation. So my exhortation to you today is to be a soul winner because God needs you. That the Lord needs you. He wants to recruit you into his, you can call it a salvation army because that's what we want. An army of soul winners to bring salvation to the nations. So be a soul winner with all your heart, 
your soul, your mind, and your strength. And we can, we can shake this nation for God. There's nothing the devil fears more than for men and women of God, men and women of prayer, men and women of holiness to boldly proclaim the gospel because that will undo his kingdom and pull down his strongholds and set the captives free in this nation. So let me pray over you. Father, I, I pray for all the young people here in this church, Lord, that you'll set their fire, uh, set their heart ablaze for you, Lord. Set their souls ablaze for, for you and your kingdom, Lord. That the desire of their heart will be to expand and, and grow your kingdom here on earth. Father, I just pray that you get a hold of them and use them as a mighty weapon in your hand, Lord. I pray that out of this church will come missionaries who will go into the streets, go into the highways and the byways, Lord, that out of this church will come missionaries who will go to the ends of the earth with the gospel to proclaim your name for your honor and for your glory, that out of this church will be witnesses who will witness and testify and pull down strongholds of the devil to see communities changed and transformed with the power of the gospel. Oh, Lord, we love you and we... We want to serve you every day of our life. Just pray that we'll be a weapon in your hands, a weapon to fight the devil, a weapon to be used for your honor and glory. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for this opportunity to speak. Um, I do uh, have a YouTube channel, uh, Open Air Outreach. If you want to have some evangelism training, I have lots of videos on on how to uh, witness and how to evangelize and pointers and tips and that sort of thing. If you want, uh, you can check that out on, on YouTube. But uh, God bless you guys, and thank you. Wow, that's very true. Uh, we, do need, we do need missionaries here in America. Um, and it's, it's really sad to see um, just going down the streets of Seattle or even now in, in Puyallup, which is kind of... Um, it's kind of scary in a way because before when I used to drive around in my own little uh, town, there weren't that many like homeless people. And a big problem to this homelessness is, comes from uh, a lot of drug addiction and things like that. Uh, but today I want to share a little testimony. And it kind of goes, um, I have been doing kids camp for about four years now. This is my fourth year. And uh, it's interesting because every year it's, it's always us being there with the kids, and every year it's, it's us kind of serving the kids, having the kids there, and ha making sure that the kids are being taught and that they pretty much are being well taken care of. And every year it seem, it's interesting because it almost seems like I'm the kid there because I learned so much from these children, and it's like it's, like, it's so amazing that God can use these little children as, as a testimony in our own lives. And the year before... Um, 2019, no, 18, yeah, oh, that's already 2019, so 2018, uh, we were doing this um, skit on the, what was it, Pro Pilgrim's Progress, that's what it was, and I was acting out as this, as a uh, Christian, which first I was Chris, and then I became Christian, and the whole, the whole scene was, every single scene that I shot, it almost felt like it was me, and by the end of this, like, by the end of camp, 
Mark, which is the camp director, he, he asked me to preach, or he asked me to say a testimony to the children. And um, for me, I was like, I, how, how am I going to do this, Mark? I'm like, I've been, you know, because I had to do a lot of editing, and I was just kind of getting stressed out about it. And Mark's like, no, you have to do this. So he took me into the woods, into this, like, little area. And he sat, like, he put, there's, it's almost like a little theater. So you have, like, this stage, and then there's, like, seats for everybody that they can look at the stage. And Mark sat in the middle, like all the way back there in the middle, and he said, act like there's a whole bunch of kids here, and you go up on the stage, and you preach. And so I got up there, and I was acting like I got a stick. I was holding it like a microphone, and I was, I, I started just, I started trying to preach. I started trying to, trying to explain to the kids, like, how I became Christian, because my name changed. And uh, as I started talking, I, I, I just stopped thinking about, I kept thinking about how do I put this in the right way? How are the kids going to understand me? And I just, I, almost, I just started talking about my life, kind of like started talking about my own experience. And I became Christian, like my, myself, like as I was talking, I, I started to see the way my life was. And I stopped trying to think about, okay, this is how you're going to tell them. And I stopped thinking about it in like a step method that I should say. And I I literally just started crying, and I started talking about my life, and as, when I was done, I, was, I forgot I was even on the stage, and I started crying, and I started praying, and then Mark steps down, and he just looks at me, and he goes, yeah, I think you're ready, and I was, like, I, I couldn't, like, so I, I walked back, I uh, walked back to my cabin, I started praying, and I went up to talk to these kids, and I, I like, even right now, I get, like, goosebumps, or I get this, like, cold feeling over my whole body, like, Going and talking to these kids, it was like a changing moment in my life. Like every time I was with these children, they would, they would make me feel different. Like I, I, I would almost like, they would look up to me and so I just wanted to be a good example to them. And it was so amazing because even like after camp, like even like months later, I'll be like, wouldn't even think about, you know, I kind of like slipped away again, you know, I wasn't reading my Bible. And I'd show up to church and a kid walks up to me and says, hey, Christian. And I look at them, and I'm like, my name's not Christian. And then I remember camp. And that second I remember camp, I start getting that same feeling. And I'm like, Christian, I'm like, you, like, and it, it's just every time, like, a kid, like, they still call me that. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, my name's Christian. Like, you guys could call me that, you know. I'm, my name's Christian. And so that's just, that's just part of it. And then this year, um, you know, the kids, they found out my name's Joey, so they kind of stopped calling me Christian. But um, this year, it was something different. It's interesting because every year is something different. So this year, I, uh, I was doing part of like videos and then also um, doing something called garage experiments. And so um, as I was flying my drone, um, some of you guys probably already know the story, but I was just flying my drone. I lost connection and it crashed. And uh, I started like getting really worried about it. And I crashed this drone and then later on we found it, but it was more like I was kind of giving it into the hands of God and I stopped worrying about it. And um, I even prayed about it with a couple of people. And it came to this last day when we were about to pack up and leave. And a few, like, I, was, I, was, I opened my door and I was about to hop in my car and just book it. I was like, I'm done. I'm leaving camp. If they find it, good. If not, then whatever. But um, a friend of mine runs up to me and he's like, hey, you have your remote, right? It has a tracker on there. Like, you can see where it goes. I was like, don't even worry about it. I tried it. It's no point. So then I... Um, I'm like about to go and he's like, no, 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 just let me see your remote. I'm like, okay, fine. So I pull out my bag, I give him the remote and he starts looking at it and he finds the location. I go back to the same spot with him and he ends up finding this drone. And it's interesting because this skit, the second skit that I played in, I played as the shepherd who lost his, no, who found his lost sheep. 
And I was like doing a skit, and during my skit, I was really excited. And then the second my friend yells out, I found your drone, it was almost like an echo in my ears, and I couldn't believe it. And then he says it again, and I had this sudden overjoy in my heart, and I started running. Like, I, I didn't know where his voice was, so he kept yelling for it, and so I ran straight to him. And he's like, it's right here, I found it. So we take it out, and I had such a joy in my heart. And when I started thinking... I started thinking back to like how I felt before, you know, like losing my drone and everything. And I was like, oh, it's not a problem. And I started, I started getting these thoughts in my head. And I was like, you know, when, when we tend to get something, we're very happy about it. So like when I bought my drone, I was really, you know, I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, I'm like, I, I liked it. And then after, over time, you just stop caring about it. And, but when I lost it and found it again, I had such an overjoy. And that's kind of how I started treating God. I would get into the word. And I, when I first came, like, started, you know, wanting to learn more about God, I started getting into the Word. And the more time goes on, the more He starts becoming something that we just use when we're in our hard times or in our hardships. But the second that we fall in the hardships and we start yelling out on, like, we start shouting on God and it almost feels like He's lost, like, He's lost, we can't find Him. And then He comes back to us and shows us, reveals to us like his, his great mercies, his kindness, and we feel like he's next to us again, we get the sudden joy. We feel like we've been replenished with, his, with, with, with faith, and we start getting more excited about it. And a lot of times I think to myself, like, why do these bad things happen? But that's the way that God comes to us and he speaks to our heart for us to come back to him. Because the joy that we had when we first loved him, like the joy that we had when we first came to him, we tend to lose that. We tend to fall away. So I just wanted to share my testimony because... It's, it's amazing how, like, what God will use in our lives to, to change us, to, to mold us into who we are, and the people that he will use in our lives to, to really show us that he's still there with us, and so that he re regenerates us, so that he gives us hope, and so he gives us faith. And now, I want to ask a couple of you guys, if you guys have any testimonies to say, I would like to get you guys to come up here and say them. Um, I'm, it's... Not that scary. So it's, if you guys want to stay in your seat, you guys can. But uh, is there anybody who would like to share testimony? Yeah? Dennis? Okay. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, come on. He's right. It's scary. <laughs> oh. um, I grew up in the church. You might know me. My name is Dennis. I preach every now and then, and I'll teach in Saturday school. And you think I'm playing, you'll be next. <laughs> and I grew up in church, and I learned that if you, are, if you are obedient, and if you are a good kid, people don't touch you. And if you say your verses, nobody will touch you. And it was only around 13 or 14 years old that I became addicted to pornography. And this is something that I know is getting worse and worse and worse, and with guys, I'm very confident 99.9999% of you have either seen it or been exposed to it, but I became addicted to it. And it was only after the second year, maybe the first, the end of the first year, I knew immediately that it was wrong. But it was only after the first or second year that I said, Lord, I cannot pretend that everything is okay. Uh, I was a sinner in other areas. I was a liar. I was a thief. Uh, I would disobey my parents. I was a sinner in other areas, but this was the big sin in my life at the time. And I said, Lord, I cannot pretend that you and I are okay. If something does not change, I am going to hell. 
And every single week I would repent and I would go to the altar calls every single week. And I would say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, forgive me. And some days it wouldn't even be a day and I would be back into pornography. And so after about a year or two, and the Lord working on me, and the Lord sending preachers, the Lord sending evangelists, the Lord telling you, you are going to hell if things do not change, was ringing in me. And that oven of conviction, it was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And it was only when I finally surrendered everything, because every week I was repenting, but I was not willing to give everything up. The day that I said, God, I am willing to give you everything, not only pornography, my mind, my strength, my friends, my relationships, only on that day did God give me a brand new heart. And the sin that I used to love, the pornography that I cherished that gave me so much pleasure, even when I fell back into it, I could no longer enjoy it. Even on those days where I tried to enjoy it, I could no longer enjoy it. Why? Because God had given me a brand new heart heart and it does not matter we are pentecostals in this church i don't care if you pray in tongues young sister i could care less if you pray in tongues young man if you are living in a lifestyle that is practicing sin i could care less you are not right with god i could care less whether or not your father is a pastor i could care less what you've done i could care less whether or not you've read the bible at 13 14 i'd read the bible front to back three four or five times sisters i had read the bible more than anyone else in my classroom. I was the best student, but the Lord did not care about that. I needed to humble myself. I needed to say, God, if you do not change my life, there's only one destination for me, and that is hell. But I thank the Lord. The day I surrendered everything, he gave me a new heart. He has given me peace. He's given me joy. And I know that one day I will see my Savior again because, not because I'm a good person. I am a terrible person, but because I have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and I have been made white as snow. Praise God. We serve a good God, amen? Just hearing some of your testimonies and hearing some of the things that God is doing in our, in our country. Um, you know, we have just celebrated 4th of July, correct? This past few weeks. Last past week, actually. And one of the incredible things that... Um, I, I can make an observation that I, I can make is um, our country is the freest that it's been, no matter what people say around us, in years, in decades, it's the freest. But in this freedom to do whatever you want, so many people are bonded, like our brother saying, to evil. So many people are rooted in something that is useless, not useful. So many people are grounded in the things that don't matter today. Our country is the freest. We could do whatever we want. We could be in doctors and nurses. And our Slavic nation nowadays is going into schooling and they're getting educated. And it's amazing. It's awesome to see that. And so we have all these opportunities. But so many people are just falling into this root of evil. And I want to speak today just an encouragement. We're going to pray tonight. Is there's a different route. And that, that's the root, like Andrew's saying, rooted in Jesus Christ. Other than being slaves to something that's useless, we could be rooted in something that's useful. I heard a, uh, an interesting, uh, probably like two weeks ago, an interesting uh, statement of what it means to be free in Christ. Do you guys remember Apostle Paul? He was saying, uh, you are free. When you 
we knew of Christ. Where there's Christ, there's freedom. And somebody said, well, what does it mean? Can I do everything I want? And, and the brother that was speaking said, no. That does not mean you could do whatever you want. Because if you want to do whatever you want, then that means you're a slave to something. Because I want to, you know, I'm free so I can go drugs. I do whatever I want. No, you're a slave to the enemy. Freedom means is when you don't want to sin. Freedom means is when I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I have to go home and, like our brother was saying, watch pornography or watch this or do that or gossip or do all this stuff. I don't have that within me. I'm free from those things. That's what true freedom in Christ is. And I'd love for us as, as tonight as, as we get, to get encouraged in that. In Christ, in Christ, we have that freedom. And then we could go and speak boldly to people. I think so many people today are afraid to share their story. Are afraid to say what God has done in their life. Because they're, 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 something's holding them back. And that might be that we're not free in Christ. I'm not convicting anyone here. I just want to encourage us in this today. Um, I want to read from, a, um, from Jeremiah. Do you have the PowerPoint for me? Thank you. From Jeremiah. A, a small passage here. I think this works. Maybe not. Maybe not. Does it work? Okay, you're going to help, help, help me, brother. So Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 through 8. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Verse 8 says, he or she is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Um, I have a little story story or yes but have you guys ever met anyone who when you would talk to them when you were kind of in their presence you felt like something was different about them have you guys ever met or talked to anybody or been to an event where it has dramatically changed your life so I, you guys know me from choir most of the time we do a lot of state combined choir and all that and so we, we, we I've been doing it for years and one of the things I remember last year, I was going through a time where I was just getting tired. And it's, it's not that I was getting physically tired. It's just like, I don't know, maybe I was trying to do something else. I don't know what was going on. But I remember just, I was kind of in a state where I was getting tired and, and, and sometimes choir members piss you off. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes you're like, man, if only they could come. If only they could do this. If only they could. And so you get frustrated. And I remember we, I went to an event, which was uh, one of my favorite choirs. Book on Top of Monaco had this, this, um, this conference, music conference. It was very simple. But it, it, to tell the truth, it changed my life. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. The pastor at the church is not educated. The choir conductor, Carol, she is not educated. The choir sings without notes. And the crazy thing about it is they were just simply, when they were, it was a music conference, but they were just sim simply sharing the gospel. Just very simple. They're like, you know what, when you, when you sing, it's as if you're ministering to people. When you sing, it's as if you're, you're, you're sharing the gospel with, peop with people. And I was like, I knew some of this stuff before, but it changed my life. 
You know, and I remember I came back from that event. I was like, all right, choir, let's, let's begin, renew. <laughs> let's, after all these years, okay, let's, let's change the way we're doing things. We're, we're doing all this stuff because why? Something happened within me. I have an uncle, and, you, and he lives in Ukraine right now, but every time he comes to America and visits us, he is always positive. I've actually never seen him being negative. I've actually never see him, seen him being um, complaining about something or, or frustrated or something. Every situation that goes wrong, he just finds a way to, to bring happiness. And so I want to ask us this, this, this same question again. Have you guys ever been in the presence or in, in, in a place where you felt like your, your life was being changed, where you felt blessed by them? For me, it was these, these two events, and there are many more that I can share. But I wanted to stop on these two things. Now, the question that I have is, do you want to be that person? Where you could go around the street, where you could go out and talk to your youth, where you could go and talk to people, where you could go and, and sing in choir, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this person is blessed. They have something that I want. They, they're sharing their life. They're, they have freedom to speak. They, they have Jesus within them, and I want that from them. Do you want to be those people? And if you do, then this, this sermon is for you, I guess. I'm not going to share anything new. You guys know all of this. I just want to encourage us tonight, and then we're going to pray. The first, per person, the first part, it says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That is our foundation, by the way. That is our foundation. And um, one of the other translations says this. Blessed is the person when we believe when we trust and we rely upon the Lord. I love the English, English translation. Um, man, this doesn't work. Can you go to the first verse? The first verse. Goes, go back to verse 1. Verse 1. Verse 7, I think. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That's the first thing. Trusting in the Lord is very interesting because it means that I'm proclaiming that he is my Lord. Trusting in the Lord is, is, is very interesting because it means that I'm witnessing that He is my God. I, I'm believing that He truly is my God. But then Jeremiah doesn't just stop there. He says, blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. What does that mean? That means that when push comes to shove, when I'm living out my life, the Lord is my God and I am actually trusting in Him. Meaning that every step of my way, every action that I take, I'm doing it with the Lord. You see, sometimes our words and our actions are very different. Sometimes we say things that theoretically sound good, but when it comes to our actions, we're not doing what we say we, we should be doing. We're finding, uh, when we need advice, when we need answers to our questions, we're going to Google, we're going to YouTube, we're going to our friends rather than the Lord. And the first part to becoming that person that you, you could be that blessed person, you could be that person that could bring you know, you could go and do all these things in this freedom of Christ, is we have to trust in the Lord. Our words and our actions have to align. Dear youth, today America, in a way, has become a very eloquent country. A very, a country with a lot of uh, great quotes. But when it comes to doing our actions and following those quotes, we're not doing that. And I'd love my encouragement today is it's, it would be amazing if our words and our actions would align. I believe we truly would be blessed. Now, when I say blessed, I'm not talking about physical blessings. 
I believe our country is prospering today and we're doing great things physically. We're, we're having, we have money and all that and, and, and all these. I'm not talking about that kind of blessing. I'm talking about a spiritual blessing in the Lord. Feeding off of the Lord. Getting, getting our strength from our God to go out and do all these things. Number two, like Andrew was saying already. Number two is we, uh, Jeremiah says that they are like a tree. This person is like a tree. So if you go to the, the next slide. One of the other translations says this. Blessed is the person whose leaves are green and moist. Now that's kind of an interesting way. But I ask myself, why is that important? Why is, are they blessed when that happens? Well, you know why? Because that means that such a tree or such a, such a, um, a, a person is rooted in a good source. Is rooted in a place where, where they're feeding off of healthy food. A tree that is, is, doesn't have water, a tree that doesn't have a water source, very soon they're going to die. That tree is going to be scorched. But a tree that is planted by water, a tree that is planted by a good source, a tree that, that, that has all the nutrients and all the things in the soil, what happens to the tree? That tree grows. That tree grows higher and higher and then there's fruit and there's all these beautiful things with a tree and so why is it important for our leaves and our uh, to be green and moist because that means that we are planted in the correct source many people today are feeding off of the wrong sources many people today are getting feeding off of the wrong sources we're getting our 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 advice and our uh, I guess our lessons from the wrong sources. No, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're, they're useful in a certain way. But like the brother today was saying, where's, uh, about the phone, like this was finally useful for one moment, right? <laughs> this could be a good thing and this could be a bad thing. Many people today are feeding off the wrong sources. And then we're asking why all these things happening in our life? Why are all these things happening in our society? Well, duh, Hello? <laughs> Look at, look at what's happening all around us. Where are we feeding ourselves from? And I want to lead to, you know, our source as Christians, as believers, has to be Christ. It has to be the gospel. It has to be Jesus. If anybody ever says anything else, don't believe them. It has to be Jesus. The only way to salvation, the only way to heaven, the only the way that we will make it in this life is with Jesus. Not through a good preacher. I heard this quote once and it's very interesting. Think about this. Judah had the best preacher. Yet that didn't save him. Judah had the best teacher. Judas, sorry, Judas. But that didn't save him. The only way that it was going to save him was if he was going to accept Jesus as his Lord. And he didn't do that. And so it's very important that today our source is Christ and we are rooted in Him because He is our life. Amen? Now, let's go to the tree example. Um, if you go on, obviously a tree, in order for a tree to grow, it has roots. And it extends, you know, extends its roots deep. Sometimes roots are deeper than the height of the tree. And so that's pretty common for trees. And so I believe... I'm going to talk about four different roots. Now, there are many. You could go throughout the Bible and search about many different things. But I'm going to talk about four simple things that you guys all know about. 
that we that absolutely today in, in today's society society we have to be rooted in in order to be able to be those kind of people of God the first thing is we have to be rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ you see it's becoming less and less popular today for people to be born again I teach a um at a uh, um in our church, we have baptism course classes. And so in order for somebody to get baptized, they go through sort of a training and, and, you know, what is our gospel? What do we believe about and all this stuff? So, and one of the questions that we deal with is, are you born again? And people that want to take water baptism, they're not sure. They don't know if they're born again. And to me, that's frightening. That they want to make, that people want to make a covenant with God and serve Him for the rest of life, but they're not born again, or they don't know that. They don't have that assurance of their salvation. It's important that we are born again, that we repent, and that if we have, like our brother was saying today, if we have that spirit of conviction within us, then the spirit is doing something within our heart. If what we're we're doing, you know, something outside of God's will, and all of a sudden we don't feel convicted then our, our salvation is under question mark. We absolutely have to be born again. And then, and then we have to be baptized in the water baptism. We have to be baptized in water baptism. Then we have to baptize, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely important. But we have to be born again. Number two, we have to be rooted in the body of Christ, in the church. Um, you know what's interesting is an observation that I'm making. Today, it's very unpopular for people to be rooted as like in, in a church they kind of just rather watch church online or they'd rather you know just kind of go to different churches versus be an active member in their own church I work with our youth in our in our youth and sometimes I see that action of people just kind of j- jumping around I'm like just get involved somewhere do something for Christ I have two sayings that I always tell our youth and the first thing is this when you're young, before you get married, before you start a family, raise a family, try everything. Not in this world, but in the church. Because you know what's very popular is we're trying everything in this world, and then last resort, we're leaving the church. But it'd be more amazing if we try everything in the church. Try going to the mission field. Look, America's open for missionary today. It is. We have, all we have to do is get, connect to the right people and we can evangelize. I, I, I work in Puyallup and I always see this one man holding up a sign every single morning, six, it's like 6.15, 6.30 a.m., holding a sign that says, repent. That's just ministry. Very simple. And so before you get married, try everything in the church. You never know where God will find you. You never know what God wants you to do and what place you, God wants you to take. Remember Apostle Paul says, there's a body and a body has different parts. And every part is important. If one of the parts is removed, then the body's not functioning well. And so it's so important that you become that part and you take that role and that responsibility upon yourself and you actually do it. It's very important today. And the second thing I tell our youth is, if you don't get involved before you're married, then it's going to be very hard to get involved after. It's going to be very hard to take on that responsibility to be involved in a church before marriage. So do it now. While you're still young, while you have time, do it now. And then one of the other things that a church does is rejoice. The church rejoices with those that rejoice. 
And what else does he do? Weeps with those who weep. Mourns with those who mourn. That's not very popular today. That message is not very, because our society is telling us that we have to be happy. And we have to enjoy ourselves and love. Everything's about us nowadays. No. The, why it's important to be rooted in the body of Christ is because we care about others instead of ourselves. And that's a tough message today. But that's the message of Jesus. Is that we will begin to care about my neighbor, the salvation of other people, and then myself. And that's why it's important to be grounded within a church today. Number three. Number three gets a little bit more personal. Being rooted in God's word. Um, I think it's... People today are reading the Bible less and less. I'll just be frank with you. And I know it sounds almost like a, uh, I know this, I've heard this before. But I heard this quote once and it really convicted me personally. It says this, the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. It's not when, when all of a sudden I get that, you know, the verse of the day. All right, let me open the verse of the day. I'll read it once and I'm, all right, I'm, I'm good for the day. God gave us his word for a reason. There must be a, a reason why there's, his word is with us today. And I believe that it's so important that today we are rooted in the word of God. You know, our parents, our parents... During their time, I, I've been speaking to, to my parents and my grandparents. And during their time, they had a lot of people, because the word of God was rare in their time. They didn't have the word of God. You know, barely any families had it. And so they were dependent upon visions, prophecy, prophetic words, dreams, and all those things. And they were dependent upon that. We don't really see that today. And so what else is going to lead us to the promised lot of he heaven if not the word of God? What else is going to show us what the boundaries are of, of heaven if not the word of God? And today, like never before, people are reading, I would rather read something else, a different story, news versus the word of God. And then I see people, young people go out. I've been to a few missionary trips. And they don't know the word of God. They don't, somebody comes and asks them tough questions. They're like, ah, ah let's go to my leader. It's important. It's important to be grounded in the Word of God. You know, one of my goals that I tell our church is, I wish that every service we hear the rustle of paper. It's the rustle of, of, of paper. You know why? Because that tells me that people are reading the Word of God, not just in church, but at home. They're carrying their Gospels, and they love this Word because it's God's Word. And the last thing that I believe we have to get grounded in today is being grounded in fellowship and prayer. And I'm not talking about just corporate prayer, but I'm talking about personal prayer. One of my favorite preachers, he said this, prayerlessness is an insult to God. Being a person without a prayer life is an insult to God. Every prayerless day is a statement by a helpless individual that says, I do not need God today. When I don't pray in the morning and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to work. I'm just saying, God, I don't need you today. I got this. I, I can do this by myself. Or I never know what's going to happen. I never know what God could do through me 
If only I, I, I give myself into the hands of the Lord in the morning. And every day. Jim's symbol says this. Prayer is the barometer of the church. Prayer life is the barometer. It's like the measurement of the church. Jim Simbola continues and says this. You could tell how popular a church is by those that come Sunday morning. You could tell how popular the evangelist and the pastor is by those who come Sunday night. You can tell how popular Jesus is by those who come to prayer services. It is so important that we pray. You know what prayer is? Prayer is our communication. It's our fellowship with Christ. It's our it's the way we talk with people. And so today people love fellowship, right? We love fellowship. After this, you guys will probably have the cafe open and all this. We love fellowship with people, right? Well, don't you think Jesus also would want to fellowship with us too? Don't you, don't you think that our Savior would want to maybe correct us, if, uh, rebuke us maybe, teach us? And it's very important that today we pray. There's a parallel... Um, this, actually, when I was reading this from Jeremiah, um, this reminded me, and I made a note that said, this is a simile to Psalm 1. Here's what Psalm 1 has. I think I have those up there. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit, sit, sits at the seat of scoffers. But his delight, or her delight, is in the law of the Lord, and on his, law, uh, his law he meditates day and night. We are going to be rooted in Christ when we don't stand at all these things that are such a waste of time today. When we don't waste our time on all these things that are useless, but we find something that's useful. We find something that's of Christ, and we do it. We meditate upon the law of the Lord. I believe that this doesn't just mean that we have to just meditate upon the Lord, but do the will of God. Once we start to meditate upon Jesus, He will lead us where we need to go. He will. And only then we could become people that Christ wants to be. What happens to a tree that is rooted in healthy ground? Or what happens to any tree? What do you guys think? Grows. And then what? Produces fruit. That's correct. I think that's, that's the next thing. A tree that is planted. By the way, actually... I'm not a, a gardener, so I, I don't know a lot of, of this information, but I think the majority of trees produce fruit. Some fruit are good and some fruit are bad. It all depends on the source. It all depends on if it's getting enough water, if it's, if it's in the right place. If not, it dies. Every one of us is producing fruit. Every one of us is producing fruit. Now it just depends on what kind of fruit are we producing. You know that everybody is watching what we are doing. Everybody is looking after us. And that sounds kind of weird. But look, we have the ability to impact other people. And if our fruit are bad, then we're going to impact other people in a negative way. I see so many people, young people today, who are TIPA leaders, you know, in their, in their, in their crowd. And they're leading people the wrong way. They come to church, and it's amazing. And then after church, God knows where they are. I see a lot of that today. 
And it's sad. It's sad. Because all it takes is for them to start. They're, they're influential. That person is influential. All it takes is for them to start producing good fruit. And all of a sudden, they're leading people to the Lord. That's all it takes. But such a tree will bear fruit. And it's actually very important that we bear fruit. A Christian has to bear fruit. Jesus speaks about this many times. says, a Christian has to bear fruit. Look, look at what John 15.5 says. I think I have that. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that's rooted in Christ, and I in him, he is that, bear, that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are in Christ, we will produce fruit. And that fruit, by the way, will not be just for us to enjoy it for ourselves. But a fruit is meant for other people to enjoy the benefits. A fruit is meant, meant to be given to other people. And so that fruit that God will give to us, it will be beneficial for other people as well. And that's why it's important to bear this fruit. It's important to be grounded in Jesus, in God, so that we could bear this fruit. So that others might be able to experience God just like we do. D.L. Moody said this, I never saw a fruit-bearing Christian who is not a student of the Bible, who is not a student of prayer, who is not rooted in their church. I never saw a fruit-bearing Christian like that. It's very important. And then the last thing, a tree, it says the tree will withstand heat. Um, one of the different translations is this, such a tree is not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought because they've stored up for these times, for these months. You know what's interesting is um, I was reading kind of around this context and Jeremiah was speaking this message, this prophecy, this prophetic word in a time of slavery. Can you imagine if somebody's in slavery and Jeremiah comes around like, blessed is the man. It's like, what do you mean? We're in slavery. Jeremiah, what do you mean we're blessed? We're in slavery. We're in bondage. But why is that person blessed? Because what we talked about all these, these things here. When we're, when we're grounded in Christ, no matter what happens on the outside, it will not shake our faith. When we're rooted in the right source, in Jesus Christ, no matter what happens at the outside, it will not shake our faith. We will continue to produce fruit. And even though there may be times, like, I know, I see around, right now, you guys probably have, you all have Instagram, you see all these stories of people just going through horrible accidents. And I, I often think, how do those parents manage to go through them when their children are, they're half alive. They're on life support. It just, it, it, it makes me cry. What, what goes on in their heart? You know, last week or this week, we buried, our, our, our churches have buried, buried a guy who tragically died. And when these moments of heat comes, what will keep us going in that moment for us not to lose our faith? If not when we are rooted in Christ. The society, I don't know, the more, it seems like the more we go on, the more tragedies are happening around us. I don't know if you guys know this, but cancer is increasing like crazy around us. What will keep us going for us to be faithful to our God if not being rooted in Christ? And when these heat moments come, 
We have to be grounded in, in the right source. I'm going to read, bring an example, and we're going to end. Do you guys remember the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Three young men. I love this story. I love this story because it reminds me of today. This, I wish, I wish, I wish that I could, the, that the Bible wrote to us about their parents. How was it possible for the parents to instruct these young men to be in Jesus, in God? How was it possible for these young men, for these young men to be so faithful to their God? In a society that was so corrupt, in a society that was so wicked, it worshipped people. You know when I read this, 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 um, this place in Daniel, it reminded me of our society today. Where the emperor, what happened was the emperor built up, erected, it says it erected a, an image of himself and made people bow to that image. And guess what? That's happening today. Where people are worshiping themselves. Where people are the center of the attention instead of God. That's happening all around us today. And so many people are falling trapped to that. How do these young men, theologians told us that they're about 17, 18 years of age. How were they able to, worry, how were they able to withstand being in prominent positions? Think about this. Today, God has blessed us and we have amazing jobs. And that's awesome. But instead of us leading people in our job places to the Lord, we're falling along with them. We're falling away from the Lord with them. It's so sad to see this situation today. But guess what? When the moments of heat came to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they do? They didn't let their job stand in the way. They didn't let the people stand. They said, no, we're, we're going to serve our God. I love my God. I'm going to serve my God. I'm going to be faithful to Him. And guess what? That was such a crazy testimony that if you read on, the, later on, the, te the king says, declares us, this would be, we're going to serve the God of these people. We're going to serve the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, our fruit in moments of heat will be able to turn others to Christ. Remember? Because our fruit is not meant just for ourselves. It's meant for others. It's meant to be shared. Look at what Colossians, Apostle Paul says this in Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. I want to end with this, with this observation. Today, many of the modern-day preachers, many of the modern-day society, is focusing, if you go next, Go back once at the top. They're focusing on success, on results, on you have to be prosperous. You have, you have to kind of, there's a certain standard that you have to measure up to. And that's so wrong because that's, it's hard for us to achieve those things. But I want us to pray right now. And we're going to pray about this. God, help me to focus on the bottom. Help me to focus on these things. You know, those things above, God will produce those things. God will do incredible things in our life. The Bible is full of these examples. But it's so important that today we give thought, that we give time to these things. Amen? Can we all stand? Let's pray.